1: On we go. John Grayson here with you, sharing some time on a Tuesday on 98.1 KMBZ. Glad to have you along. And we're going to move in this segment of the program to uh, another thing that happened when a guy had an interaction, we'll be kind and call it an interaction, with the police. His name is James Hodges, and this is a story that came to us on a Daily Beast. Um, He was initially approached by the police because... There was something in his back pocket they thought might be a gun, okay? This this is the beginning of the story. He's also, did we mention, legally blind and a U.S. Navy veteran. So uh, it, it the story, unfortunately, does not tell us how it was that he came to become legally blind. I mean, who knows, macular degeneration, whatever. But it seems to say that he can... I mean, legally blind, there's a big difference between legally blind and totally blind. I don't know exactly what it is, but I know that if you are legally blind, but not totally blind, it means you can still see to some degree. So he can get around okay, but he has several different aids that he uses. One of them is a, a kind of a cane. It's a really, it's much more high-tech <laughs> than it sounds. I mean, when you say cane, we just think of, you know, the folding thing that you just pop out and start tapping it along the sidewalk. It's a little more advanced than that. Um, but he uses it for orientation purposes. So he can kind of see well enough to, to move around, but he needs some kind of help. So Cop comes up. He's got this thing stuffed in his back pocket. Because like the regular canes, it folds out. And he's got it in his back pocket. They saw it and thought it was a gun. So they stopped him and said, hey, uh, do you have a weapon in your back pocket? And he said, no. And explain the situation. And he said, I mean, his quote, uh, this James Hodges guy was, he said, I can function to where people are like, man, you're lying. You ain't disabled. His words, not mine. And so, you know, it's easy for somebody to to mistake that. But when the cop came up to him, and this happened in Lake City, Florida. Lake City is north of Orlando, probably about 40, 50 miles. It's kind of north-central Florida. Uh, middle of nowhere-ish. So a Columbia County deputy by the name of Jamie Godey, according to a federal complaint that was filed on November 20th, told Hodges that, quote, it looked like he was carrying a firearm in his back pocket which the complaint says was clearly visible and at first glance is immediately recognizable as a navigation aid. He immediately removed the folded cane. So this isn't a story like we had yesterday with a girl who didn't want to show off her prosthetic leg. He's, he th- said, you think this is a gun? Really? And he pulled it out and unfolded it and said, no, it's, it's a cane. I'm legally blind. And then he added, and this seems to be where things started to slide off the rails He added, what's the problem? Are you a tyrant? (laughs) Now, I personally would advise against saying that to the cops, even if they're being tyrants, which in this case they probably were. Uh, But as a matter of fact, the police officer responded, "Uh, yeah, yeah, I am actually. What's your name and date of birth? So, I mean, that's a tactic that they use every so often. When you try to get one over on them, they'll like agree to whatever you say. Yeah, I'm a tyrant. Sure. Yeah. What's your name and date of birth? So the, the altercation went on, and I say altercation, verbal altercation. They, they didn't, they, this didn't come to blows. But he said, from there, things quickly went downhill. Instead of admitting her mistake, Gody decided to detain him and call for a supervisor. Sergeant Randall Harrison then arrived on the scene. Hodges showed him the cane, too, and said, she thought this was a gun, it was a cane in my back pocket, Why am I being detained? He said, thus uh, demonstrating for a second time that he was not armed, according to the complaint. But when he then said, can I leave? They put him in handcuffs and searched him. Now, what they were searching for at this point, we don't know. He had already produced what they thought was the gun. And then he decided that he had had kind of enough of this. According to the article, shaken and upset by what was happening, Hodges demanded that Goethe and Harrison both give him their badge numbers, at which point the supervisor turned to Goethe, the original officer on the scene, and said, you know what, put him in jail for resisting. Goethe then placed Hodges in the back of her patrol car and drove him to the Columbia County jail where he was booked and charged with resisting arrest without violence. (laughs) Wow. Uh, He remained in the cell for more than 24 hours, all because of what the two officers perceived to be a disrespectful attitude. According to his federal complaint, Uh, Gody's arrest report accused Hodges of quote, obstructing an ongoing investigation where he repeatedly refused to allow identification of the object in his pocket, as well as refusing to identify himself. However, body cam footage supported Hodges side of the story not goadies. In other words, she lied and said that he was refusing to show her what the object was when he pulled it right out of his back pocket and said, no, lady, it's a cane. So what we have here, apparently, according to the body cam footage, is an incident where a guy spent a day in jail for being a jerk. Now, this is where you come in. 913-586-7798. You're not supposed to go to jail for being a jerk. On the other hand, it's not idea it's not a good idea to mouth off to a cop. So I mean, I get it. <laughs> you know when when you're just minding your own business, the last thing you want to have to do, and we this does go back to the story about uh, about the the prosthetic leg and what we talked about yesterday with, you know, having to sign for Sudafed and all of the rest of it, is how many times a day, Are you going to have to prove you're not a criminal before you start to get a little bit annoyed with it? Because I can see this guy's point. He was going through something he should never have had to go through, and just because he decided to shoot his mouth off to a cop, he ended up in jail for the night. And in fact, in jail for more than a day. So I don't know what's going to happen with this criminal complaint. If it were me, uh, I think he's got a pretty good case to make that... You know, there is no, in the law, as long as you're not resisting, as long as you're not refusing to obey lawful orders from a police officer and all of the other stuff that goes along with that, if you're going along with them, you should be able to say whatever you want. And by the way, asking for their badge numbers, which according to, again, his version of the story and the body cam footage, is when the other guy, when the supervisor said, you know what, put him in jail for resisting. Uh, you have a right to do that, too. Yes, you have a right to ask a police officer for their badge number so that you can identify them. You know, if you have a complaint like this that ends up going out of control. Now, why this went out of control like it did, when it didn't seem like it was the kind of thing where... Yeah, he was likely to take a swing at somebody. I mean, keep in mind the guy is again legally blind. Um, and it, I mean, the the whole idea of resisting without violence seems to me to be a little strange as well, because aside from things that you say, if you're not refusing to do what they're asking you to do, then you should be relatively okay. But I just I feel for this guy, and yet I I think in a similar situation sometimes. You have to hold your tongue. Um, You shouldn't. I mean, the Constitution says you don't. You can be a jerk. Being a jerk isn't supposed to be a jailable offense. But in this case, it kind of looks like it was. So you tell me. I mean, does this guy's complaint go anywhere? Or, you know, is, is it a matter of, well, keep your mouth shut and you won't have to worry about spending the night in jail? And filing the complaint and, you know, getting whatever uh whatever award, if there is one attached to it, that this guy may be eventually expecting out of this. But if you want to jump in and do some talking about it, 913-586-7798. And I'd love to hear from both sides. I would love to hear if you're off duty right now or have you know, on your lunch break, if you're a cop, what is this all about? I mean, when you see that, when you see an attitude that is compliant and yet not. Oh, what's the word that I'm looking for? Um, where they're not making it easy on you, <laughs> you know what I mean. But they're still complying with what you're doing. Then uh, how does it, how is this supposed to end up? And can you see that you're way clear to doing what these
2: cops did? So I got audio. I got the body cam footage. Hit it if you would like it, please. All right, Mister Hodges. Was that that hard?
3: It's gonna be. I want your name and your badge number. Put him in jail for resisting. Okay. All right, let's go. I want your name and badge number two, sir.
4: Have a seat.
3: You want to pick my property up, please? I
4: sure will, after you have a seat.
3: Wow.
1: So there it is. I mean, that's his case. That is the beginning, middle, and end of his case right there, where, uh, you know, she asked him, and and by the way, while we're talking about being snotty, was that so hard? Yeah, what was that? Really? You know, and and so at that point, yeah, I, I'm now I'm I'm a little bit more close to completely on his side because when he said it's about to be, I want your badge number. Then all of a sudden, you hear the other cop say, "Yeah, you know what? That's uh, put him in jail for resisting." And it
2: was it you can't because I had the video. You haven't seen the video. You just heard the audio. He yeah, throws his hands up. He's like <laughs> uh, 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 like throws his hands up. His head flies back. He's like, uh, just put put him in jail for resisting. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh.
1: So, yeah, so because a cop got frustrated with him doing something that was completely legal, he decided to put him in jail for a day. Thank you for that, Colin. Yeah, that throws it in a a little bit of a different light. But if you want to make comment, by all means, 913-586-7798. Ever been in a situation like that? And did you stand up for yourself? I'll tell you, the, the closest I ever came to that really quickly is a cop once accused me of going 55 miles an hour at a 35 and I laughed in his face because I knew I wasn't. I was like, oh, come on. Uh, ended up getting out of that one. But, uh, I mean, it was one of those things that came out of my mouth before I even had a chance to think about it. It was such a ridiculous accusation that I just couldn't help myself. But uh, thankfully, in that case, I didn't spend the night in jail. We'll do some talking with you coming up. Grab a telephone line at 913-586-7798. More to come. As we continue, we'll get to the phones on this right away. If you want to jump in, 913 586 7798. A guy who is a Navy veteran and has a disability. He's legally blind and has the use of a navigation cane that a cop mistook for having a gun in his back pocket. He pulled it out and said, No, it's a cane. And this escalated to the point where uh, he got annoyed. She got annoyed. He asked for a supervisor. And you heard that little tête-à-tête where she said, well, there, was that so hard? And he said, it's about to be. I want your badge number. At which point the other, the supervising officer threw up his hands and said, eh, you know what? Just put him in jail for resisting, even though he wasn't. We'll get to the phones on this if you want to jump in. 913-586-7798 to Pam in Shawnee Mission. Hello, Pam. Hi.
4: Hey there. Um, I wanted to respond to the issue of uh, respect for authority and somebody who I'm 79 and I'm white and I've been arrested probably 15 times. Okay, and there's an issue about respect for authority. I went to the North Kansas City Police Station and they don't have they have a great track record and they treat their populace really well. But they I asked them I said what's going on now? The drivers are crazy and there's no you know, it's just nuts out there. And they said respect for authority. And it's coming, and I think that that's key to the issue. This guy had legitimate, uh, you know, he had legitimate grievances. Mm-hmm. But he, but the, and the police officer should have clued into that and said, look, this guy's blind. His life is shit. And, um, you know, treat him nicely. But once you start that antagonistic exchange, uh, it doesn't go anywhere. It doesn't do well for the person who has the, who is being confronted by authority. Yeah. Authority is going to win in that situation. They have the guns. They right. have the badge. And they have the power.
1: And, well, and he ended up in jail. But, uh, but now, you know, he's filed this federal complaint over it. So we'll see what's going to happen in the future. Um, Pam, I appreciate Well,
4: appreci- that's, that's nonsense because that's part of the problem right now with authority is that people are suing people when they're not treated well. And I haven't been treated well. I mean, I did, was not a defendant of the police until I encountered a police force that treated people respectfully. And I wanted to know why. So I I interviewed with the police chief, and I found out that their whole thing was de-escalation, understanding where people, that people that they encounter are stressed out and to treat them well. And I've always been treated well by them, and I wanted to know why, because every other jurisdiction in this town. Also, if you're in the Midwest, that kind of behavior doesn't wash well.
1: Well, right. And
4: I came here from New York. I, and, and I, Yeah,
1: so did I. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, I, I've got to go for the bottom of the hour. I, it's a, I don't know. There, there's a point there about that. I, I think of respect as a two-way street. Um, the idea of respect for authority, authority has to earn respect just like anybody else does. And, I mean, this guy was a victim of a false arrest. I mean, when, when that supervising officer threw up his hands and said, oh, just put him in jail for resisting, when he wasn't resisting, that's a violation of your civil rights. I, I don't look at that as being a small thing. So, yeah, I I, I, I do believe that, uh, that that respect for authority is warranted when authority earns respect. And in this case, they didn't. They failed. Uh, we'll get back to the phones. we got a bunch of you on hold we'll get to after the bottom of the hour. Traffic and weather coming up. Plenty more on the way as we continue on a Tuesday on 98.1 KMBZ.
0: Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.
1: 98.1 KMBC, John Grayson here with you. And uh, just to go back, a couple of you had jumped in in the middle of the story uh, and wanted to hear the clip again from the body cam footage. And again, this is into this... uh, uh, the verbal altercation that happened between a guy by the name of uh, James Hodges and a police officer who stopped him because the police officer, she thought he had a gun in his back pocket. And so she stopped him and said, do you have a gun in your back pocket? Uh, do you have a weapon on you? And he pulled it out and said, no, it's a cane. He's visually impaired uh, Navy veteran. Not that that really makes any practical difference, but just to you know, kind of put it in perspective and uh, so he said, no, it's it's a cane. And he unfolded it and showed her. And that wasn't, I mean, he, he then asked her, what are you, a tyrant? And she said, yeah, as a matter of fact, I am. By the way, what's your name and your address and blah, blah, blah. And so it goes on. He's not happy that she stopped him. She's not happy that he called her a tyrant. And it escalated to the point where he asked for a supervising officer to show up on scene. And that's when, after all of this was almost settled... This happened.
4: All right, Mr. Hodges.
2: Was that that hard?
3: It's gonna be. I want your name and your badge you number. put in jail for resistance.
2: Okay. All right, let's go.
3: I want your name and badge number too, sir. Got a see. You wanna pick my property up, please?
4: I sure will. After you have a seat.
1: And that's when he was taken off to jail where he stayed for over 24 hours based on the, the frustration of the supervising officer who had him arrested for resisting when he wasn't. Back to the phones we go and head to Dan, who's calling in from Kansas City. Hi, Dan. Hi hey there. Welcome in. What's going on?
5: I'm in to Texas. I'm from northern Minnesota. The problem that you're talking about now is you're, you're, with your respect. You know, I'm 60 years old. You just don't talk to people like that. Kids do now. Younger people do now. Uh, that attitude has kind of perpetuated itself. Everybody does it. Uh, I don't know if they think it's cool or what, but, you know, I mean, they're out there doing a job. Jeez. You know, all the loonies that are out there, I mean, I'd be kind of wondering if someone was walking around with a gun, too. You know, most, uh, most of the time they just want to get their asshole. You know, at the end of the ship. It's just them putting that guy in jail, though, that was wrong. That's wrong on lots of levels. So I, I think the whole situation was handled poorly by the police and by the individual. Um, then you get the power dripping by the police, go put him in jail for 24 hours. Yep. That's, that's not right. You know, I don't. If a person's going to be a clown, you're going to be a jerk. I mean, you're going to start putting people in jail for being a jerk. Uh, we're going to have to start building some more jails. You know?
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it's, and it's in the job description. Dan, thanks a lot for getting in. It's, I mean, that's what you have to do when you deal with the public. I'll let you read the text line sometime. Um, <laughs> you know, de- dealing with people who are angry and upset and frustrated and, you know, and jerky sometimes is, is part of the gig. So you know that going in. Um, I I... I know whenever we get into conversations like this, and I hear that about, you know, they're just trying to get home at the end of a shift. Well, yeah, so is everybody. You know what? And and if you don't want to put your life on the line for that, don't. But it's in the job description. Make sure you know that before you become a cop. And if you're going to let your emotions run away from you, then, I mean, on his side, there's nothing illegal about it. But when it comes to them putting him in jail for it, that is illegal. So a law was broken there, and in this case it was broken by the cops. Um, I, I just, I go back to what I said before, which is respect is a two-way street. And it, it just, if, if you want people to treat you with respect, you have to treat them with respect too. And that goes for him and for her, but she's the one who has the badge and the power to put them away. And she did. That was a mistake. Off to Jim in Topeka. We go, Hey Jim. Yeah. Jim, you can't make oh, worse. Sorry, Jim, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm going to have to I ask you to start over your phone glitch there for a second.
3: All right. There isn't a bad situation you can't make worse. And both sides started off going a little bit bad, but the one who had the responsibility to not make it worse was the one carrying the badge, and they didn't. But I go back to a time to when that I was going to be arrested for a bank robbery.
1: You robbed a bank?
3: No, <laughs> well, we were fixing the outdoor uh, teller deal because it had malfunctioned and it required a backhoe to dig things up and what have you. And I'm sitting there on the backhoe digging away and the Mosier Safe guy with the deal on the side of his truck was. And I saw the law enforcement guy go zoom and park around there and, and hide behind the bank. And then he jumped around the corner as I'm digging with the backhoe and assumes a position, gun pointed in the the half crouched position and yelled, Freeze! (laughs) the only thing I could do was laugh. That was the stupidest thing to have done. But that's what I did. And then I reached down behind me to shut the machine off and just sat there and laughed and laughed till the rest of the law enforcement come. So, yeah, I could have been shot real easy. But, no, there's just – we've got to understand that people make mistakes. And what we do can magnify them and make them worse. You got it. So, take care, my friend. Well
1: said, Jim. Thanks a lot. I would have given a lot to be there to see that go down. They thought he was using the backhoe to knock down the wall of the bank. Yeah, not quite. Off to Jeff we go in
2: Lawrence. Hello, Jeff. Hey, how's it going? Going well, Jeff. What do you think? Uh, Well, I think – the cop was probably in the wrong and and my experience is uh years ago the town I call my hometown because I actually grew up in the middle of the country nowhere was hit by a tornado and I went down there a couple of days before they allowed the public to come in and help and my friend's mom took me to a checkpoint and got me a, a bracelet that says I live there and put her address on it and that allowed me to walk through the town with you know without being bothered well a new chief of police saw it and told me to come over and I was being cordial and nice. And he's like, well, I know who lives there and you don't. And and he's like, you related to him. I was like, well, yeah, you know, consider my mom. Yeah. Cause that's how good of friends we were. He's like, well, that's not you. Come on. And so he starts to haul me off cause he, this is a federal blow, you know, going off trying to say it's federal offense and all this. And I'm going away for a long time for lying to, you know, the national guard and all this. And, Well, wow! (laughs) You know, I went from preschool to graduation in this small town, about fifteen hundred people. Yeah. So people knew me. The city council and the mayor, somebody went and got them, and they stopped and said, "What are you doing with him?" And when he explained it, and the guy goes, the mayor goes, "He's more of a citizen of this town than you'll ever be. If you want to keep your job, you're gonna let him go." And he goes, "No." He goes, "All right, give us your badge now." And he goes, "Are you serious?" And yeah, you're gone because. We know him better than you, and you're our chief. And he'd only been there for a couple of years. Yeah. Well, he ended up uh, letting me go and apologizing and <laughs> asked me if I needed a ride anywhere and was real nice about it. <laughs> but that was probably the closest I ever got to being arrested without actually breaking the law, which has happened a couple of times you know, in the past where that didn't go so well for me. But I won't ask. <laughs> <were>. Yeah. I've <laughs> actually called and talked to you about it with, when Mark was on the air with you one time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All it right. involves drinking in a vehicle.
1: Gotcha. All right. Yeah. Well, yeah, be, be be safe out there. Yeah. I need to thank you. Yeah, yeah. Take care. Um, yeah, I know. I mean, you know, nobody likes it, right? Nobody likes to be mouthed off at. Uh, and it can get it, it can get to you. But I guess in that case, you have to just let it let it slide. I mean, do what she did in the beginning when he said, What are you, a tyrant? She went, Yeah, yeah, whatever. I mean, just keep that up if you don't give them something to argue with, then there's nothing that's, that's going to be able to happen. I mean, the worst you're going to get is a complaint in your file that some guy says you you shouldn't have stopped them. Well, that's that's an easy one to write off. But when you put the guy in jail for a day, when you had no reason to arrest him in the first place, that's where it's going to. That's where it's going to go really, really poorly for you. Um, and we'll keep again. We'll keep track of this and let you know if there's any update in the case, if his federal complaint is accepted or whatever happens with that. Um, I guess we'll end this with one other story. That a very long time ago, and and this was one of those places where I got. I was, I was hot about it. I didn't say anything about it at the time, but it just – it rubbed me so the wrong way that I was working. It was my first ever – no, I'm sorry, my second ever radio job. My first one, I don't even count. But my second – my my first real radio job, um, and I was working overnight. There was a liquor store across the street that in the back was a bar, and in the front was a liquor store, but they also sold in, – in Florida, you could do this, and I think you still can – Uh, in Tennessee, if you're a liquor store, all you can sell is alcohol, nothing else. So in Florida, you can be a liquor store and kind of a grocery store too. So you can sell mixers and soda and other stuff like that. And they did, this place called The Warehouse. So uh, I used to, during breaks, before I had to go push any more buttons overnight, sometimes I'd run over there and buy a two liter of Diet Coke and then run back across the street and I'd be back before my break ended and I had to hit another button. So uh, I was in the middle of doing that one time. And, I i mean, the guys in there all knew me. There were only four or five guys that worked in there. So, uh, you know, I got my Diet Coke, and I went to run across Gandy Boulevard in South Tampa back to work. And I hear, hey, over my shoulder. And I turn around, and there's a cop there. He's like, and so I said, what? And he said, where are you running? And I said, Back to work. (laughs) I work right there. Do we have anything else to discuss? He was like, no, okay. And I continued because I'm thinking, okay, now I'm going to miss my break. So I ran back to work, and I'm sitting there stewing about it, going, what a jerk. I mean, I didn't know running was illegal in this town. But over time, I kind of thought about it, and I was like, okay, he's a cop, and he just saw some kid go flying out the front door of a liquor store, run across a busy street. So I kind of get it. (laughs) You know, it didn't make me feel any better about the fact that I'm like, what are you harassing me for? I just bought this and I'm going back to work. It's not like I just knocked over a liquor store. But from his standpoint, he didn't know that. So, yeah, uh, I you know, I, I will add to that story the fact that, Almost invariably, with only two exceptions, that being one of them. Every other interaction I've ever had with law enforcement, few as they have been. And no, I've never been arrested for anything. Um, But every other interaction I've had with law enforcement, maybe half a dozen times, car accidents and things like that over the years, every single one of them has been perfect. No complaints at all. And I like to think that most people who have that experience have a similar one. But it's those times when somebody just hits you with something and you think, what? Just leave me alone. That that's when it gets really frustrating, at least from our standpoint. We'll put the, uh, the wraps on it at that. We've got a whole bunch more to end up the hour with and another hour after that before we give you off to Dana and Parks at 2 o'clock. Stay with us. John Grayson here with you on 98.1 KMBZ. Jack Grayson here with you on uh, 981KNBC, uh, doing a little talking and a few stories to end up the hour with. Um, you know, we, we talk sometimes about things that go south uh, in the airline industry. <laughs> it does come up from time to time here on the show. But one of the things that we have rarely discussed is the unclaimed baggage problem because it, it almost never happens. Uh, if you've ever had this where they lose, I'm not talking about just losing your bags. That happens all the time. But it, uh, usually they do a fairly decent job of getting your stuff back to you. Like they'll find it somewhere. You know, they, they've tr- trackers on all the tags and everything like that. They'll find it somewhere. And uh, I've had it. In fact, on a Delta flight one time, they lost my bags, and we were we had flown into um, one of the airports in D.C. It wasn't Reagan; it was the other one, uh, BWI. So we flew into BWI. We were staying at my mom's place which is in Gaithersburg. It's about a 45-minute drive. So uh, they lost the bags. They called and you know we at the airport we checked in with them and said, "Yeah, our bags aren't here." And they said, "Okay, yeah, we'll you know, leave us your phone number. We'll call you when we find them." And they called and they said, "Yeah, okay, we we found your bags. Where are you?" And I said, I'm in Gaithersburg. It's like a 45-minute drive from the airport. I really would rather not make that. And they said, don't worry about it. We'll bring them out to you. They sent a courier out. And he was like, here's your bags. So usually that that's the way it's supposed to happen, and that's what they did. But they said that right now they're running at about 99.5% ability to get the bags eventually. Sometimes it takes longer than others, but it's about 99.5% of the time that they get your stuff back to you. And that sounds great. And it is. I mean to be honest, with the amount of stuff that they move all the time, but see there's the problem. Even that 0.5% adds up really fast and it becomes an incredible amount of luggage that that remains unclaimed to this day. So you might have asked yourself, what happens to that stuff after a while? Now we know. From Retail Wire There's a store in Alabama, and I want to talk about – this is a serious road trip upcoming. There's a store in Alabama where it all goes. It's in the booming metropolis of Scottsboro, Alabama. It's a warehouse-style building that's the store where they sell all the stuff, and it sounds awesome. Um, We'll tell you where Scottsboro is in just a second, so if you're thinking about making the trip, it's not free. I mean, you still have to buy the stuff. But after a certain amount of time, it just goes into this unclaimed pile and they they separate it out. So there's bags, obviously, and there's clothing and there's toiletries and there's miscellaneous items, stuff that people pack in their luggage. And, and, you know, then when it gets lost, somehow they're never able to reunite with it. So Scoutsboro, where this is, is south of. Of Nashville, Tennessee. It's actually just south of the Tennessee border, a little bit east of Huntsville where all the NASA stuff is. So um, they they have this store built up and it's organized. I mean, you don't just like walk in. It's not like, um, what am I thinking of? Like storage wars where you buy somebody's old storage space and it's just, okay, that jumble now belongs to you. You deal with it. They, they actually organize it really well and put all this stuff together. But what got me about this article is they started going into the things that people have lost, part of that 0.5% that's never claimed and just ends up in the store. Because I would think the weirder the item is, the more likely you would be to be able to find that. You know, the, the more likely that that would be not to remain unclaimed. Not the case. The Electronics Department, according to Retail Wire, is a popular stop among customers. It houses a vast collection of cell phones, laptops, tablets, headphones, anything that can be packed into a suitcase. And they said, rest assured, all the electronics are wiped clean to remove any personal data. They also said clothes, shoes, books, musical instruments, sporting goods, wedding dresses, and a suit of armor. Now, I I want, even though we're never going to know, I am dying to know the story of the suit of armor. First of all, who put a suit of armor in checked bags? And second of all, how did the guy who owned the suit of armor and was traveling with it never find it? I mean, that's got to be the easiest thing in the world to be able to identify. How many suits of armor are in air, air airplane baggage compartments on a daily basis? My guess is going to be that's a fairly small number. So eventually the guy who owned the suit of armor just gave up? He's like, oh, I guess. I guess it's lost for good. Um uh, Let's see, what else is in here in addition to the suit of armor? Ski equipment, snowboards, a bountiful amount and number of skateboards, a horse saddle, a motor that can be attached to a kayak or canoe. (laughs) I mean, it goes on and on and on. And it's like, uh, have you seen our Johnson 5 horse? Because I could have sworn it was in your bag. No, it's not in my bag. I, I have no idea where that thing is. And somehow it ends up in this store. So it's one of those places that if I ever find myself in Huntsville... For any reason, first of all, I'll have to check my temperature to make sure I'm okay. And second of all, I'm making the trip over to Scottsboro to go see what this warehouse looks like. I want to know what is the weirdest thing anybody ever lost in checked baggage that they were never able to catch back up with. You want to talk about a place that would be great to Instagram? (laughs) I mean, just walking through there going, and somebody was flying with this. What is that, a stuffed otter? So, yeah, in case you were wondering, that's where it all goes. And uh, if you're looking for someplace to make your next road trip, I, I would highly recommend. Now, our next story takes us uh, from the folks over at CNN to a TikTok video that has now gone viral, gaining more than 27 million views. It's a lady by the name of Shelly Betts, and what she said is that she and her husband were getting ready for Christmas. They were bringing all the stuff in from the car, bringing in the tree, bringing in the decorations, all of this stuff. And they, they got it all inside. They're putting up the Christmas decorations. And sooner or later, they noticed, hey, um, have you seen the Roomba? And they couldn't find it. They looked under the couch, where the Roomba usually gets stuck, by the way. <laughs> if you're looking, look there. Uh, it, it wasn't under the couch. Uh, they looked under all the furniture. They looked everywhere in the house. They could not find the Roomba. They eventually found it about 10 yards away out in their front yard. It had taken the opportunity when they were bringing stuff in uh, from the car for, for Christmas to escape their home. It's on the doorbell camera video. We're going to put this one up on the Twitters for you. It's fantastic. Freedom! More to come on one KMBZ.